You're listening to Scariff Bay Community Radio and this is Local Media This Week, the programme where we have a look at the local print media here in County Clare and uh, we give our own take as well and we, we chat about the items. Uh, we're not quite at full strength today with, um, in terms of personnel. Uh, John S. is uh, still on his break, so uh, we're delighted to be joined by Pat O'Brien. Good afternoon, Pat. Good afternoon, and Jim. And David Fleming. David, you're welcome. Good afternoon, uh, Jim. And uh, off the bench again today is Luke Fleming. Luke, you, you've been more off the bench. No, I'm still you're here, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> you must be match fit at this day. I'm far from it. <laughs> And we're delighted today, we have a special guest today. She's been with us before uh, on this show, but uh, joining us on the line today, I'm delighted to be able to welcome from the Clare Champion, the East Clare, particularly North East Clare correspondent, Fiona McGarry. Fiona, you're very welcome. Great to have you. Thanks and good afternoon, Jim. So um, anyway, we're recording this on the Thursday evening and the sun is splitting the rocks outside, so we're... um, the forum is fairly good. Fiona, I suppose, can I start maybe with yourself? Um, one of the topics that you have been writing extensively about over a good period of time now has been the question of pyrite and the question of pyrite in buildings, um, which, of course, is wasn't a clear problem at all at one stage, but uh, it was very it was tied to what Donegal and Mayo, perhaps, but it's probably much wider than that. So... I, I just wonder your own thoughts on it, uh, Fiona. It's not really a major topic this week on any of the papers, but um, you, you obviously you've written a lot about it. And uh, what, what might, would your thoughts be on the whole question? Well, Jim, it, it's strange because even this afternoon I was thinking it's, it's around two years ago to, to this week that I first received a call just sitting in the newsroom in, in Ennis from a lady who said that uh, she had pyrite in her house. And she, she said she didn't even know what it was, but she'd had an engineer's report, severe cracking, her house is in northeast Clare. And um, unfortunately, I was fairly well acquainted with pyrite because I'm, well, I'm from County Mayo, but um, a cousin of mine had uh, just married a young couple that had almost bought a house with, with severely defective concrete blocks. And, and that is the problem that, that pyrite causes. It's essentially a mineral. It can be present in your concrete blocks without causing any problems. But unfortunately, what we've seen here in, in recent years, Jim, is a process of, of oxidization of pyrite where pyrite begins to cause severe structural damage, severe cracks when it's present in, in concrete blocks. So the person who phoned me almost two years ago to, to, to the day was um, Dr. Martina Cleary, who um, we did a little bit of tic-tacking. She agreed to tell her story under condition of anonymity at first. And then she said literally within a week of the publication of that story, four people had come forward Within a month, up to 24 people had come forward and then it, it began to, to snowball from there to the situation where the, um, the the action group, the Clare Pirate Action Group, was established and through their very, very hard work, Jim, they've, they've done an incredible job over the past two years. Earlier this summer, they secured access for Clare to the Defective Concrete Blocks Grant Scheme, along with County Limerick. Now, we're probably aware from, from reading all of this in the national papers as well, that that scheme has been revised and a bill went through all of the, the stages right up to the sign-off by President Michael D. Higgins 
um, in the month of July. So there, there's a new piece of legislation which will, um, according to the government, which will greatly enhance the redress scheme, the, the grant scheme for people who unfortunately find themselves with pyrite in their homes. Um, it hasn't been without controversy. The uh, the whole process, the legislative, pre-legislative scrutiny was, was highly accelerated. I mean, some people wouldn't even have called it pre-legislative scrutiny. The the action groups in Mayo, Donegal, Clare, Limerick, Sligo, they're coming from, from all over the country, from Wexford at this stage also. They've said they haven't had enough input into the new legislation and into the new scheme. So it has gone off the, the boil ever so slightly, Jim, you're right, um, sort of for the last couple of, of weeks of the summer. But I do expect the, the story will be reappearing in the coming weeks because what we understand is um, there are moves to, to visit on the part of the housing agency. We'll have a look at the different counties where pyrite exists. Yeah. And it's going to look at something called the damage threshold. So they're going to make a decision on how much pyrite damage your house has to be showing in order to gain access to this very, very important grant scheme. Yes. So it's, it's been a tough slog, but, but let's hope maybe before the end of the year, Jim, there may be houses remediated in, in this county. It would be great to see it. I know, and I suppose, Fiona, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a political question, obviously. It's a scientific question as well, the whole, the science of it. Um, but mm-hmm. you've been out and about meeting people, you know, and interviewing people whose houses uh, have been, we'll say, infected, for the want of a better word, by pyrite. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's a hugely personal thing for them it's their own house and the levels of stress in in houses like that must be enormous it's it's absolutely heartbreaking and i think you you do have to see i mean i'm thinking of of somebody like danny maloney over at the 12 o'clock hills there himself and his wife Teresa. they were in the states they saved the money to build their dream home on a just a beautiful site and, and you can literally put your hand through through parts of the gable walls and um, they're listening to the house creaking at night and it's the nightmare situation with people in the west of the county where as you know the Atlantic gales you know come full force onto your house and, and, mm. and they are literally dreading this coming winter if they, if they don't get if they don't get the grant if they don't get remediation I mean people had to move out of part of their house Geraldine Kennedy and Partine had to they had to remove their chimney for fear it would fall on the grandchildren and they're listening and they're worried very severely damaged houses around the Killaloo area and um, it is it is countywide and the people who are living in those situations it, it's a heartbreaking situation and, and I think that you know the, the stress cannot be underestimated as you said this is their home people have put their their, their hearts and souls into their houses and, and then to, to find this problem is, is, is devastating and, and we can only hope that, that the new grant scheme will, will give those people hope Fiona the question of responsibility around defective blocks, I mean, the taxpayer now ultimately is going to uh, bail out these very unfortunate people. Um, do you think there's any redress from those who's, who have made and supplied those blocks? Yeah, it's, it's a hugely horny issue. And, you know, some suppliers have been named under Dáil privilege and, and Shannon privilege by our public representatives, Cahill Crow and, and Timmy Dooley. Um, they've gone so far as to name them and, and call on them, you know, to, to, to come forward and get involved. The Housing Minister, Dara O'Brien, has answered numerous um, parliamentary questions on this and he has said that he has a senior counsel appointed. It will go to the Attorney General and... He will be under pressure, I think, certainly, because, you know, the thought that, I'm afraid, unfortunately, that, you know, a couple of billion is, is not really going to put the bill because 
you know, we're hearing on a daily basis and I'm now kind of in touch with a network of, of people in different parts of the country. Um, and as I said, even in the southeast where they thought that they were free of this, this problem, people are beginning to discover. And it's not just pyrite, there's mica, but there's also another material called pyrotite. Um, so unfortunately, I think the government has, as you said, politically tried to draw a line under this, but they will be under pressure. Minister Darrow O'Brien will be under pressure to, to pursue those who are accountable. And I think there's a natural justice and there's a sense that there are highly, highly profitable companies mm. um, who really should not be let off the hook on mm. this. Um, so we'll see if the public appetite is there. Obviously, you know, we have a history in Ireland of... Um, back in the old days of the Galway tent relationships between politicians and developers and, um, you know, but I do think in the interest of, of the, the burden that this is going to place on the taxpayer, I, I think there'll be severe pressure and justifiably so on the Minister for Housing to pursue those responsible. Mm. And Fiona, uh, Peter Bryan here. Fiona, um, if, if I go out to build a new house tomorrow and, um, is there, is there anything in place now to stop, to, to, to check on, on, on people supplying material? Uh, have the government the brought, in, have they brought in anything in to, to, to say, to, know, to check on, on, on those people that are supplying the material that's, for building? That, that's, that's absolutely the, the, the $600 million question. And I think, Pat, you, you've just expressed the fears because many homeowners have said that even if they do secure the grant, that they have huge concerns that that the materials supplied, particularly the concrete blocks, that they have no way to tell. Uh, and certainly regulation of the sector, there are huge questions being answered. And, and we know, unfortunately, that in Ireland, the defects extend in many developments far beyond the, the materials in, in the block walls, that there are all kinds of concerns now in relation to, to meeting standards as regards fire safety um, and other controls. And we are living with the legacy, I think, of, of the Celtic Tiger years. And, um, you know, I certainly remember a couple of years ago listening to Lifeline and literally Joe Duffy did about three hours of over the course of three days talking to people who were in the construction sector who'd worked on major jobs and talking about not just the lack of oversight with the quality of materials but also the quality of, of workmanship um, and, and talking about the legacy I think that we're now beginning to experience because unfortunately it goes it goes far beyond just concrete blocks. Um, but Pat, I think the short answer to that is, you know, this remains to be seen what the government is doing. And many TDs, including I think um, our own, have asked what the government is doing to make sure that this that this is not allowed to happen in the future. Well, I, I was uh, watching a programme on television a couple of weeks ago about pyrite, and there was, there was a big discussion on it. And um, somebody on the panel made a point, if you're going to buy a pair of shoes, and if something goes wrong with them, you can go back and you can <laughs> you can go back and uh, you have you have laws and rules to regulations. But he said if you build a house, you 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 have no you have no one to go to if something goes wrong. Yeah, it, it's it's it seems you know it's a crazy situation. That's how people have described it. There are people who have receipts and who have proof of purchase, and and there are several legal actions ongoing. And and even long before the Care Pirate Action Group was founded, we we now have growing evidence that people had discovered pirate. And in some cases, they were fortunate that they were able to provide proof that they had purchased materials in a particular place. I understand those people have been challenged severely by the suppliers and aggressively by the through in, in 
as part of legal actions have been um, obstacles, shall we say, have been, have been put in their way. Uh, but it is a crazy situation. And uh, I suppose the advice to anybody building is to, to keep all of those documents. But, but even with those documents, from what I'm hearing about cases that are only slowly beginning to move through the courts, um, there are difficulties and you're dealing, as I as I said previously, and as we know, with very profitable companies who have deep, deep pockets and have access to to the full defensive powers of, of the law as well. Okay, Fiona, we, we just we might move on a little bit from Pyrite, just to say that we went for a drive, my wife and I, last weekend, and we ended up in Liscanor, and we went into the rock shop, and we had a coffee. But I, looking around, browsing in the rock shop, you can buy Pyrite. Um, very That's small right. little and it's a kind of a shiny it's almost gold flecked oh. um, material I presume it's the same thing but um, it is it is actually Jim and I feel like at this point I, I nearly have quality in mineralogy because <laughs> there's a lot of reading up in the early days pyrite and like uh, bizarrely enough for early, they're naturally occurring minerals and, and yeah they, they do have a value in, in jewellery and and, and decorative arts, believe it or not, but no good in your concrete blocks. No good at all. Fiona, you have a story yourself on page one of The Champion, and it's continued on page seven, and that's to do with uh, a jet ski activity on Loch Derg. And I, I just see you have uh, a John Kelly's photo accompanying your article there on page seven of our own Clee Donlan, who uh, has a programme from time to time on this station. But um, it is a very, it looks a very, very serious um, activity and, and a very dangerous activity. And of course, there have been some, you know, not, not around here, thankfully, but there, there have been high profile accidents involving jet skis. So it's, a, it's an increasing problem, it looks like. It is, and as you say, Clee is very well known to, to your listeners. She has gone so far out of absolute frustration. She told me that she came home from, from Loch of Earth, which, as, as most people will know, is just about 500 metres from, from Loch Derg, described to me by locals, including Clee, as a, a lovely, quiet, primarily swimming, kayaking, very family-friendly. But Clee has been expressing her concerns since the start of the summer about jet ski use and uh, has had her own um, a, a, an experience she described as horrific where she was out in the open water and uh, as she described it there in fear of her life over a jet ski that she, she was fairly sure wasn't able to see her in the water and you can only imagine what might have happened. Sunday night she's launched a, a petition on change.org. Um, I'm sure many of your listeners will already have signed it but she is looking for, for controls and um, particularly at, at Knockabert. She's done a lot of research into the situation regarding bylaws um, Clare County Council have beach bylaws in place and, and they apply it at Ballycogran and at um, Mount Shannon. They don't apply at Knockabert. Um, however, obviously, there are codes of practice. The Department of Transport has one. Um, Clee told me she feels most people aren't, most of the operators are possibly not aware of those codes of practice. Um, the Gordi have been very active in, in Killaloo, Ballina, but it, it does appear that the situation in, in Nakafert is, um, as Clee would say, driving swimmers out of the water. And um, she, she's described it as an accident waiting to happen. And from what she has experienced and what other people have told her, um, you know, it, it's a matter of balance. Obviously, there's a place for jet skis, and there is a designated place at, at Mount Shannon Harbour. But certainly, at Knockoffer, people are very, I, I think, angry and, and very concerned. Fiona, you say that um, there is this code of practice, national code of practice, um, issued by the Department of Transport. 
<coughs> responsibility for implementing uh, those guidelines um, and other legislation is is with Waterways Ireland. I, w I wonder what they, wh why, what action they might have taken or not taking, and why do you think Clare County Council could not pass uh, bylaws covering Knockafort and other areas where, like Knockafort, as I understand it, is a very popular swimming area. May not be as popular as as Ballycogran, but it's certainly for locals um, in this particular part of the world, it would be. And just a beautiful, tranquil spot. Um, the Waterways Ireland have responsibility because of the fact that this part of the Shannon navigation, or that's certainly what the council are saying. I did speak very briefly with, with somebody in Waterways Ireland, and we hope to have a short follow-up from them in, in next week's edition of the Clare Champion. And they directed me to remarks that they made last year, but they weren't willing to go into specifics. Now, I may not have been talking to the right person, and I have a press query and lodged with them, and we're hoping yeah. for a reply to that. But they've said they're you know very proactive. Uh, they've also said it is part of their role. They do promote jet ski use. I mean, it's one of the many uses of our waterways. Um, there's a place, I think, for safe jet ski use. Um, but unfortunately, what's happening in Knockford wouldn't really seem to comply with the code of practice from the Department of Transport. The Gardaí also have a role, but it's it's very difficult for, for, for the Gardaí with the, uh, the pressure on the force you know, to be in absolutely every beauty spot or yeah. bathing area during the, the warmer weather. Is the problem, Fiona, that the jet skis are launching from this area or are they coming into this area? Or, you know, well, why are they yeah, there? Yeah, I, I think both. I think both. Um, Clee certainly told me that she's seen them launching. Well, she said actually that, that, you know, in recent times they've been launching quite slowly and responsibly. But, you know, I suppose it's, it's the fine weather goes to our heads. Mm. You get out on the water on a jet ski and you might kind of lose sight of safety and, and certainly like losing sight of swimmers there in the reeds. Uh, which are halfway between, you know, it, it doesn't bear thinking about. Um, but it does appear, uh, I think locally there's a concern that because action was taken in Killaloo Ballina, um, I know Gordy were very proactive, Killaloo Coast Guard put out an appeal, um, which Dan, my colleague Dan Danaher, reported on in the middle of the summer. Um, there is a sense that people, because they might have, you know, had their, their just skis, they might have been... Um, prohibited from, from acting um, as they liked in Killaloo Malana and maybe they've moved on to some of the quieter areas. Yeah, I know sure. Pat Burke, Councillor Pat Burke said people are posting drone footage and unfortunately maybe some of the bathing spots now are becoming attractive um, to people using jet skis and it, maybe it's not appropriate to, to use the jet skis there. I suppose, Fiona, um, I suppose the big problem with, with Shannon is that there's too many bodies have, have responsibility and nobody has responsibility. You know, with the, the, counts, with the councils and the, the councils yeah. and the, and Waterways Island and all the different bodies and uh, nobody has real responsibility. Yeah, no. and, and that very issue came up at um, the July meeting of the Killaloo Municipal District in relation to sections of Killaloo itself, because there is there does seem to be some confusion as to what parts are Waterways Ireland's responsibility, where is the county council, and then if you go further down, the ESB has responsibility as well when it comes to to the weir and the. And our question, so there's a lot of bodies involved and um, there have been calls on many issues for those to come together around the table and begin to, to kind of hammer out areas of responsibility and maybe draw up some kind of an agreement. And, and maybe on the use of jet skis, um, there's an opportunity because as, as Jim said, um, the county council are responsible there for Ballycochran, whereas it's Waterways Ireland for, for Knockafort. So, um, you know, we do need to, I, I think there, there's scope to get 
groups together and maybe to just iron out if they need to draw up a collective code of conduct. Yes. I'm just, just I suppose, to move on a bit, Fiona, there's a number of planning-related articles in the papers this week. I see your colleague um, Owen Ryan has a piece on the data centre on page one. I see Parik McMahon has on page four of the, the Echo uh, and there's, a, I suppose, it's it's something we probably haven't heard the last of the the data centre at this stage, Fiona. I think you're right, and, and Owen has a very in-depth story with lots of different views, and it is a divisive issue. Um, first mooted about a decade ago, and uh, I know there's a quote that, that probably has followed uh, Tom McNamara, Councillor Tom, Mc, or former Councillor Tom McNamara, who was the mayor at the time. He talked about it being a gold mine for Ennis. Um, and, well, and it's certainly, certainly a gold mine, Fiona, for the council. The council, under the permission granted, is getting, wait for it, 2.1 million. Yes, this is the development contribution. And I presume, Jim, that if it, did, if it does clear its final planning hurdles, that there will be rates payable um, on an annual basis to Care County Council as well. Mm. So, um, yeah, there, there is definitely a cash injection. It does appear very likely it will be appealed to onboard Planola, Future Proof Clare, I think, have told on Ryan as much that they're, they're, they're getting ready, that they're drawing up their appeal documentation. So there, there's a, yeah. an amount of red tape, I think, to uh, to, to go through. Um, and maybe, I mean, you know, we all remember when there was a data centre to go, potentially in Athen Rye, um, and after I lost out on that and the data centre went to Scandinavia instead. But I think in the intervening years, further concerns have arisen about the huge energy consumption that, that data centres need in order to um, in order to, to, to keep active on a daily basis. And we do unfortunately know that there's massive pressure on our national grid in terms of electricity generation. We've had a couple of warnings already this week. So I, I think... Um, it potentially, this could be part of, they're saying that it could take its energy from new projects at the Shannon Estuary, but those aren't in place yet. So um, there's a bit of a jigsaw, I think, here in terms of, of energy mm. supply for, for this data centre, if, if it does come to pass. I suppose by the, by the time the data centre is built, uh, the, the energy uh, out in Loop Head will probably be there as well. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's absolutely the case, Pat, because these things, as we know, take a lot of time, and uh, yeah. certainly the appeals process won't be a short one. No. And I suppose, Fiona, we all use data centres. We use our mobile, our smartphones, and our computers, and everything. And um, we are using more and more data centres, even if we even don't realise it. We are, and then these are currently located, you know, hundreds of thousands of miles away. Where cloud computing is huge. They're talking about the Internet of Things, where your fridge will have a microchip that will tell you when it's time to fill the fridge again. Um, so Usually yeah, that's one of my children, um, Fiona. <laughs> I don't need any microchip for that. <laughs> my wife sometimes tells me, go out and fill the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're talking about data, Fiona, and um, you know the Internet of Things. But uh, the Internet of Things and data sort of has a a little bit more. Um, it's on the agenda. We'll say with an article that you have on page six of the Champion as well, and that Air defends its Scarif Mass Plan as future-proofing the area's needs. Now, I, I can remember alluding to years ago saying that data was going to become the new water. And, you know, mm -hmm. we'll say, 
you know, everybody has a reasonably smartphone, or the vast majority of people ha have one nowadays. And you know, they don't just work off magic, as the man says. You know, you you need to have connection to infrastructure. And um, you have an article there just in relation to the council request for further information on a proposed 21 meter installation of a mast uh, in Scarf. That's right, David, and um, I think that's a great way to put it, that data is going to become water, and um, we're certainly using increasing amounts of it. This uh, story dates back to December, when Air lodged a plan with Clare County Council to replace a couple of structures, or at least one of the structures currently on their exchange, they're close to the Connacht Road. They're looking to put in a 21-metre mast, um, and uh, yeah, I think they've, they've made the case that if we are going to move forward and progress, um, and particularly with, with uh, the pressure that's now in a lot of rural areas in terms of remote working, where maybe connectivity isn't what it should be. Um, this is certainly the case that AIR is making. However, um, there's been numerous objections, at least uh, 10 individual objections. One of those objections has a, a petition with 48 signatures all opposing the development. Uh, and I know Michael McNamara has made representations and he has asked that, that AIR would engage with Clare County Council um, and it would engage with those who have made submissions. So there's a balance mm. to be struck here. Uh, a lot of concern about the proximity of the proposed mass to people's homes, that it'll be about 15 metres in, in some cases. Um, so the, 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 freedom, or sorry, the further information request it has just been returned. So I think a decision is probably expected from Clare County Council in, in the coming weeks. Yeah, it's a, it's. A, I suppose it comes down to the technical aspects of it. I, I I can't understand why they need to put a mast in so close to the town. Um, it's not as if it's a it's a black spot. This area. I mean, there are a few hills around with with other masts. Um, I, I mean, this radio has a few masts in various places, Jim. So you might might know the the technical. Is the area a black spot? No, but I think, no, Fiona might correct me if I'm wrong. I know from the radio point of view that in the normal course of events, a transmitting mast, provided it's not above a certain height, doesn't need permission. Mm. Now, if it's in a special area of conservation or something like that, that would be different. But uh, it certainly is the height issue that has mm. affected or not affected us. Yeah. You know? Yeah. This yeah. is going to be 21 metres, Fiona. Which it is. It is. It's taller than the yeah. It's taller than it's nearly twice the size of what's there already. The twelve meter pole, which they're keeping by the by, by what uh, as you yeah. indicate mm -hmm. yourself. So it's yes. it's actually mm -hmm. adding to. I think they're going to take away something else, but they're actually adding to what they have there. It's yeah. Um, you think with all the. With all the land we have and the hills, I'm looking out, I'm looking towards Scarif uh, right now and I think I see some sort of a mast. I don't know if it's <laughs> the mast in question, but uh, there's plenty of places to be put. But I suppose, you know, Air is a commercial company. Um, it makes commercial decisions. And um, I suppose that's, that's the nature of it sometimes, isn't it? It is, and I think you've hit the nail on the on the head there, uh, David. Then, yeah, it, I mean, commercial decisions and this idea of future proofing. And um, one of the things I did notice in the, the 
the further information responses that here is talking about co-location so potentially and, and this can be a concern for residents that a company secures permission for a mast but that then in the future this is gradually you know more antennae go up on that mast uh, and sometimes they don't need planning permission for this yeah. kind of co-location or especially yeah. if it's a small antennae and um, so people do have concerns and I think this idea of future proofing um, I, I agree I mean anytime I've been in Scarf Chungraney there's, there's no problem whatsoever with, with coverage so um, it does remain to be seen what plans might yeah. be coming down the line and I think that that is a concern for people. That's going to unblort Planola anyway and indeed is uh, you've also reported that something else is going to unboard Planola um, or it has gone and they have made a ruling. This is your story about infill um, mm. infill development. Now for our, lit- for our listeners you might explain what, what infill actually means. I will, David, and, and actually PJ Kelly is the man to explain what infill is because he first raised this issue um, earlier this year at the, uh, one of the full meetings of, of Clare County Council. An infill site is created if somebody on either side, if, if we say we take a stretch of a road, or a stretch of land which has road frontage and if two houses are built and then there's the space for another house in between them, that is an infill site. And they we don't like that, do we? we, we, we well, we, 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 in some places, we don't like it for Clare County Council. Um, yeah. PJ Kelly had a good explanation and he said that there's been what he called an overcorrection because what can happen where there's an infill um, in a rural area, if we take a rural area, for example, generally speaking, the person who wishes to build on the site will need to prove that they have a local housing need. However, if the site is an infill site in an area of significant urban pressure, Others can come in from any part of the county and probably secure planning permission because they won't have to prove the local housing need. So here's where the plot thickens and things get a little bit more complex. So PJ Kelly has has accused Clare County planners of overcorrecting. So he says that what's happening now is they don't want to make the infill in the first place. Mm. So this is a problem, he said, for people who may receive site from their parents because one brother builds in a location then another sister builds and that because of the fear of infills that puts their chances of securing planning permission that puts their chances in jeopardy so there are two sides to the the infill coin but that particular story this week related to lissa casey which is an area under strong urban pressure obviously and desirable place to live not that far from ennis uh a couple made a case that a particular site was an infill and Clare County Council and then later on board Planola said that it wasn't. They said it was actually much larger than what would typically constitute an infill site and it said that the couple hadn't proven a local housing need and therefore their planning permission was turned down twice over um, with on board Planola supporting the council's original decision. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So a thorny uh, issue. We haven't I, heard the last of it. I, I doubt it, Fiona. Uh, Luke here, and we said that that article is well worth read on page fourteen in the North and West Clare uh, section of the paper. Is there b- before we finish up? Is there anything we we'll say in the paper uh, other than an article written by yourself, or is there anything that you think is uh, of particular interest uh, this week uh, to our listeners? Well, actually, probably sticking with with one I did myself, but not for that reason. But I think the Fecal Festival certainly. Um, deserves a mention and I know you've been you've been covering that but uh, 
an absolutely stellar year this year with up to 6,000 people or as Gary Pepper said, at least 6,000 people descending on the village of Peekle over the course of the festival. I think huge credit is due to the organisers and one of the things I thought was phenomenal this year, they just have a fabulous website but they've got their social media channels have been just brilliant. Um, I think their Instagram stream in particular just gave, if you couldn't get to Peekle it gave a real sense of, um, of what the festival was like. We have a lovely page of pictures um, in the paper this week. They will probably be going up on our social channels later on, but uh, it's, it's definitely well worth checking out. And uh, the buzz, Pat Hayes, Councillor Pat Hayes described it as, as a paradise for musicians. And he said that Fecal is now an independent label, which I thought was a nice quote, but he said it's, it's, it's known and loved. And um, they were, I think Gary Pepper said the word went round at the flat that Fecal was. Was, was the place to be. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you but think? Do you think there. Fiona? There, there's the old. There's a COVID factor that people were that they haven't been able to enjoy this sort of thing. Um, and the summer is here now, and the fine weather. Like, it, it, do you think that's a factor? Will this be repeated again? I absolutely agree with you, David. I think there's a massive COVID factor. There is that pent up demand, and we know people who love trad and who know trad and who like trad. You know, it can't really be virtual, despite all the best efforts of people over the past couple of years. I think that demand was there, and it was a hoodie like no other, from what I understand. Um, and yeah, it remains to be seen. I, I think this year, we've seen it, we've seen it with the fine weather, we've seen it everywhere, and at every festival and event, I think there's, there's this, this, um, this pent-up demand that, that people have been talking about, but um, certainly they made the most of it in fecal over the duration, and there was a few very tired uh, an emotional heads when I was checking with them how the festival went. Yeah. Well, on, on the Saturday, Pat and I, the two of us, uh, we were doing vops, pops in the street and recording various events that were taking place and they certainly, the buzz and the atmosphere and everything yeah. was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, and as you said, yeah. Fiona, perfectly captured by the wonderful John Kelly on page 11 of the, the paper this week. There's some fabulous photo- photographs there, expressive uh, as ever. Yeah. And, and uh, amongst a lot of very nice photographs from different festivals in the paper this week, but uh, as, yeah. it's, as it's East Clare, <laughs> we'll, we'll comment particularly on that. Yeah, so. Listen, Fiona, we've we've kept you a lot longer than we promised you at the start, but uh, no we're, we're delighted. Uh, I'm just thinking you might have roots in County Mayo, but there's you know names like Knockafort and the Connacht Road seem to trip off your tongue very easily. <laughs> so you're 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 making East Clare your own. You're certainly know your way around no way. East Clare. <laughs> we'll make an East Clare woman of you yet. <laughs> You never know, Jim. Listen, thanks a million, Fiona, for coming on uh, today. It's been very interesting and it's been, you know, great information and background and everything for ourselves here and for our listeners, more importantly. So many thanks, Fiona. And with the help of God, it won't be too long before we have you back on on our programme again. Lovely to join you. Thank you, Jim. Thank you very much, Fiona. Okay, God bless. Okay, many thanks to uh, Fiona for uh, joining us on the line today. And uh, Pat, we, it's time for a bit of music. And you're there with your notebook, and I know you've something ready. <laughs> well, Jim, we have, uh, we're having 30 degrees of heat, and um, we're going to have Mungo Jerry in the summertime. Lovely, I remember from, it well. From 1970. Exactly. Okay, thanks, Pat.
One go. And that was Mungo Jerry in the summertime from 1970, thanks to our resident DJ here on this program, Pat O'Brien. Uh, welcome back. We're in part two here of uh, Local Media This Week on Scarif Bay Community Radio. Great first half of the program there with Fiona McGarry. And so we'll have a look around maybe at more East Clare things, although this isn't specifically East Clare, but um, look on page seven of the, uh, the Clare Echo a headline there caught your eye. Yeah, we, we spoke about this, Jim, when you were supposed to be here last week, but weren't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as I said, I was going, why am I still here? But anyway. I was, I, I was at the Fecal Festival yes, I, I, working I, I, very hard I, for I, the radio. I, I, I know you are. <laughs> but but uh, uh, Park is, is writing on page seven of the Echo, planning granted for 55 houses, which we covered a bit of it last week, but uh, Park has a few little bits of interest in it. Uh, this is for Shannon, Luke, is uh, it? It is for Shannon, yeah. And we say it received a, the project received a green light from Clare County Council on Monday. Phase two of the development consists of the construction of 51 two-storey houses, four two-storey dwelling houses with uh, attic space and a two-storey childcare facility. So there's a little bit of thought going into this building an estate and actually having a childcare facility as part of it. I'll, I'll give the council a little bit of credit for that. There's 28 conditions attached. Uh, and there's there's three, something coming. Three separate <laughs> payments which will see the developer hand over 600000 to the local authority. God, they're making a lot of money this week, mm, aren't they, the council? Yeah, exactly. But um, there, there's a... Park has spoken to Larry Brennan of Woodhaven Developments, who welcomed the decision. He says, and there's a quote, there hasn't been a bungalow built in Shannon since 1970, and this will be the first time that one will come on for sale on the private market, and an ordinary three-bedroom house hasn't been built since 2006 or 2007. This will offer private housing and three bedrooms for the first time in 15 years. Now, you could argue for five or eight years of that period we were in the middle of an economic downturn and there was no housing being built anywhere. But would say you can see housing uh, there's plenty of housing uh, in east clare going on in tulla over the years and i said shannon uh, you know over in recent years there's houses been built in ennis not uh, anywhere you know big scale developments anywhere else but it's good news i think for shannon mm. to get that mm. sort of smaller house that people can try and get on the ladder on the ladder with i see last weekend in the in the in the papers building where there's um a planning permission in for I think it's forty five new houses in Tulla and down at the bottom of the hill there yeah. in Ashla. Yeah. 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 There's a, a site there that was sold sold recently. But Pat, I th- there's a related story on front page of the champion, average Clare rents up one hundred and thirteen percent since bottom of the market. It's cheaper now to have a mortgage uh, than actually renting as according to Owen Ryan, renting a three bed house in Clare costs on average €1,029, while mortgage repayments on a similar property would be €622. It seems daft. It's it's daft. It is daft. And, and of course, a lot of this is coming from (laughs) daft.ie. Nice one, Jim. All all credit for Roman Lions. (laughs) (laughs) That that was an accident. (laughs) (laughs) So all these new houses coming on on the market uh, in Tulla and Shannon, they'll go very quickly. They will go very quickly because these these people uh, who are renting now are probably being prevented from um, from buying houses because of a lack of a, of availability. The other problem, of course, is if you're paying these very high rents, you're probably not saving enough for that 20, 10, 20 percent deposit yeah. that yeah, you see, might need. Whatever yeah. about that, David, twenty you know twenty years ago, uh, the banks were 
uh, throwing money left, right, and centre. And if you wanted a hundred thousand, they'd give you a hundred and fifty. Mm. Nowadays, as you said, very good point that you need to be able to show that uh, you can save a particular amount of money over, like it's sort of like two, three years, mm. right? Now, if you're paying a thousand euros in rent you're going to be sort of hard stuck by to sort of come yeah. and save another yeah. thousand a month to yeah. show you can pay back a mortgage. Like th there's a there's a bit of a, a catch-22 for that, that, you know, people are sort of paying through the nose for property. But if you said that if it had gone up 50% from the, the bottom of the market, you'd be talking six, seven, maybe 700, 750, which I think is a reasonably fair figure mm, mm, for you know, mm. say a three bedroom property well then you'd be able to show that you could save five six yeah, seven yeah, yeah. euros uh, yeah. I well, see Parik McMahon has the same story on page eight of the Clare Champion or of the Clare Echo where it says only 21 properties on the market yeah as rent prices soar I mean if if people we we are having we will have a major problem come September when the students are back in Limerick um, we have our our refugees from all over the world and Ukraine who need housing as well. So, uh, if if people have houses or rooms there, I'd be urging them to to help. Yeah, but if if Park, as you said, Jim, on average rent for a one bedroom apartment. Now, I can't imagine there's a huge wealth. A number of one-bedroom apartments no. in Clare. There should be a lot more, yeah. and one bed and two bed because they have their function as yeah, well. Yeah, they do, well, right? The, the, the government are out looking for looking for people to take in the the refugees. But um, I see an article on the on the paper the other day about the, uh, the OPW have over a hundred properties around the country. From Garda stations, half of them are Garda stations. That's yeah. right. And why, 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 why yeah. the OPW are not just repairing those places and putting? Well, putting that should be a question. And, 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 and there, in, there is a minister for the OPW who sits in the Department of Finance, so there should be no excuses of why those properties aren't no. brought. And and I'll tell you, the other state agency that has plenty of property lying around the place, the HSC. Yes, they have. Uh, old hospitals, old uh, asylums, buildings, yeah. and o mm. other buildings, which could also be brought back into okay. uh, circulation. I just, I just finished, Jim. Uh, a one-bed apartment rent, 765 euros. A two-bedroom apartment, 875, and a three-bed is 1,029. 11.59 is monthly rent for a four-bedroom house. Now, looking at those figures, none of those are good, but are you telling me 765 for a one-bed apartment versus, you know... Uh, Eleven fifty nine for a four bed house. That just shows how yes, crazy the market is. It is. It is. It's yeah. totally crazy. Yeah. And I'm going to go on to Jim, if you mm. humour me for thirty seconds. Uh, <laughs> on page seven of the Echo, uh, an amber alert was issued on the electricity market. Uh, writes Parik, uh, Wednesday morning last a generation shortfall. And and here's one of the ironies. Uh, it was created because we don't have enough wind. I, I track. I've, there's a little app that you can get on the phone to track wind. Uh, yes, yesterday being Wednesday, we'll say when we're recording, one percent of the electricity for the country yeah. was from wind. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, but the, uh, the technology has to catch up, doesn't it? I, th I, I was listening to the 
regulator on this. There's also maintenance problems and plants going off when they shouldn't be going off. So it, it's probably a combination. Uh, and they are fossil fuel plants. Yeah. They are. Yeah. That's the problem. And, and of course, course then, when the electricity goes and Pat O'Brien's heating won't start, he'll have, to, <laughs> he will. he'll have to light a fire and put on... Oh, he has no turf. Because yeah. he, he <laughs> couldn't buy any turf go. this year. <laughs> Jim, Jim, keep going. Keep going. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Pat, you were going to say... Uh, I don't oh yeah uh, going back to the 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 the, the, the what you call it in the front of the paper there the the data center yes if the, if the data centers uh, if we have all these data centers and we're we're going to shut on and on power we definitely need the turf what's going to power yeah <laughs> I think those data centers they should be they should be uh, um, a part of their their um, the strategy for them is that they, that's, they, they have their own Yeah, their own power. I agree with you. They're burning gas at the moment when, yeah. when the European Union says we, we need to be reducing uh, our reliance on gas yeah. Yeah. for okay. security reasons. Farming. David, you something caught your eye on the farming. In fact, two articles. Yeah. One on each paper. Yeah, one on each paper. Uh, Tyg Holland, who is uh, new to the Clare Echo, we, we noticed him there a few weeks ago. Page 10, he has a story there. We're the scapegoats, farmers sceptical of targets. This is about the targets that uh, the government agreed a few weeks ago, uh, amid much controversy. Um, and uh, he's reporting there about Joe Melody, who, who's regularly in the uh, paper uh, as a representative of the farming organizations and um, uh, essentially he's saying the farmers will not are, are being scapegoated that they won't reach this 25% um, target uh, and, and that it's unfair of them to ask it. Uh, Melody added, we often talk about the whole industry, but there's actually families, people's livelihoods behind these cuts. It's not one large monolith of an industry that's there like an, uh, like an ominous herd of cattle that are going to wreak havoc on the environment. It's loads of small family farms and we seem to be left in the dark at the minute. And the, I think uh, a nice counterpoint is in the Clare Champion, the farming section of the Clare Champion, page 20, uh, which has Joe Gallagher who is the advisor, the Chugs advisor for Clare and Galway. And uh, he one section there, how can this 25% reduction be achieved? Um, and he, he talks, uh, the, he talks um, about a program being run called the Signpost Program led by Chagas in collaboration, uh, in a collaboration of farmers industry and state organization, farm organizations and media, all working together to support farmers to farm more sustainably. And there's 117 of these model farms around the country. And they've put together 12 steps for beef farmers to take to reduce gaseous, gaseous emissions on their farms. Many of these emission reduction technologies actions are well known and nothing new to farmers. And all will yield a benefit to a farmer's bottom line. Uh, now, this is something I don't fully understand, but calving a cow at 24 months... Uh, fives, I think, I don't know what that means, 36 months decreases carbon emissions by 8%. So it's, it's calving, instead of calving a cow, I suppose, every 12 months, it's calving a cow every 24 months. And 36 months decreases carbon emissions by 8%. And wait for it, increases profit by 120 euro per cow. 
So you have two sides here. You have the advisors who are sort of looking at this as a, as a possible benefit. And, and then you have the, the farmers' organizations who are may, still making a lot of noise about it. But I'd be, I'd be encouraging listeners or, who, who might be interested in this uh, to take, read both. Read the, both the, if you can. two very good uh, articles, I think, yeah. that are well worth to read. And especially for those amongst us who aren't uh, n- n- very knowledgeable in the farming industry. But I, I just one thing, David, I, in the Echo article, uh, say IFA, uh, Claire IFA chairman Thomas Lane, uh, talking about concerns. Mm. And he said, there's just one thing to cut my eye. He said, there is an over-focus on farming. No, he probably would say that. <laughs> but but yeah. farming is supposed to be the highest emitter, and yet it's only 33%. The other 67% is really fossil fuel usage. And to get a really good cap on emissions, the fossil fuel burning has to be addressed, otherwise we are at nothing. Now, that's where I would be in very strong agreement with him. And this is where you go back to sort of plans and sort of my little rants that I'll come out with every week ago, uh, or wh- every week. when I'm on. <laughs> I, I'd, I'd much rather not Tis be on. Tis every week, yeah, Jim. Yeah, yeah, I'd much rather not be on. But basically, this country does not plan for anything. Yeah. We do not sort of plan no. for long-term down to use. But in this one, they've come out of this plan, right? And I can guarantee you there'll probably be another 10 versions of it in the next three or four years where they've said that, right, they're now going to start to target farmers for 25%. Six, nine, six nine months ago, a year ago, they came out with a great plan that we're going to have a million uh, electric cars on the road by 2030. Now, uh, as the, Bill Clinton said, it's the economy stupid, but this is a case of maths, mm. right? If you were to add up every new car in the country, every new car in the country for the next 10 years, or the next eight years, and average it out, it will say 100,000 a year, right? It's not, you know, it might be 120 one year, it might be 90 the following year. For the next eight years, every new car in the country would have to be fully electric to meet those targets. It's just mm. not possible. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's yeah. not going to happen. They're not available anyway. But, but aside, and they're expensive. Aside from that, so what are they going to start to come out with in a few years' time and say, oh, well, sure, we'll screw the farmers a bit more? But going back to the farming um, part of it, I, I, I was listening to and watching television for the last few weeks, and it appeared to be nothing only, only discussing, discussing the farmers and, and cutting back and their emissions. Now, uh, but Pat, I read, because... I read, I read, it, I read, no, one second, you want to come in a minute? <laughs> See, you thought I was the only one ranting. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 uh, I see on the on the on the paper on the article in the paper about um, where Brazil were increasing their uh, beef production by thirty percent. Now we are going to reduce an ours here. We are going to target the farmers here at thirty percent. So uh, it is five here cut cut back on the farmers and um, and uh, we import uh, the the beef from Brazil. Yeah, but the European Union won't leave that uh, Brazilian beef in. It'll be going well, to the UK and other the, markets. Mm. But uh, but well, they are they are they are letting it in as, as if now you can you can buy uh, any, uh, Brazilian beef anywhere in the EC. But there there are limits on it. Yeah, there are li- there, there are it, it, we, we won't be swamped by it. But but uh, Pat. We only heard about the farmers because the other industries took their medicine. I mean, the 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 power plants we've spoken about, the, us with our fossil fuel burning cars, but uh, and the other industries that are produced, they all they've all accepted. I mean, they've got a bigger target. When you think of it, it's only thirty. It's only twenty five percent. Where is the other seventy five percent coming from? From the rest of society. That's that's the side of it, and. 
Methane, unfortunately, produces more damage to the environment than CO2. And that's the biggest problem. Hmm. I, I see planes flying overhead every day across mm. the Atlantic, and and, yeah, and, and you the, hear us plugging well, Shannon every week well, to look yeah. at to look at um, yeah, but to look at flight radar and you see the yeah. number of planes that are over yeah, Europe. Yeah, yeah. I I find it hard, and I I have no base scientific base <laughs> for, that, for this to find that, that cattle are are a bigger problem than than, 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 well, 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 than, than like, jet planes. But we do have to believe the science, don't we, and the scientists. Surely, Jim. You're right. not a scientist uh, denier, are you? But, uh, Ireland, is, Ireland we, we are, yeah. we're just a very small country here on the, on the edge of Europe. What about mm. in yeah. China? They're, they're building yeah. big plants, for, uh, coal plants, uh, to generate yeah. electricity. Yeah. Yeah. I share a certain amount of Pat's uh, fear that yeah. we are going to pauperize ourselves in, in all aspects and places like Brazil and China yeah. and we'll, we'll, we, we'll, we'll profit on the back we, of our, our prudence. It could the, be like the, turf the, and sugar. Yeah, but we yeah. can't yeah. dictate to the world if we ourselves aren't, aren't doing the business. No, Just the same as the true. Americans now, having passed their climate bill in Congress there last week, can now exert a little bit of pressure, hopefully, on China and Brazil. And Listen, I want about 30 seconds on each topic now because we are running out of time. Uh, Eagles, Pat, are, uh, hopefully we'll come back to... Locked Arg again. Oh, yeah, I see that, Claire Trim. Uh, and uh, uh, one second on page two, I think, of the of the Claire Champion. Yeah, more white eagle. Yeah, it's on page two of the champion. Um, Locked Arg is, is, is to be the location for the release of another clutch of white tailed eagles chicks over the coming weeks as part of an ongoing project to boost the species at a number of monster locations. The National Parks and Wildlife Service has been collaborating closely since 2020 with a partner organisation in Norway, as well as local, local experts. Last week, Tish Miran Merton joined the NPWS for a release of a number of chicks at Talbot County Kerry as part of the long, long-term reintroduction. So, so it would um, be great to see, see more, yeah, yeah, yeah. coming mm. back. Okay, I see on page two of the Claire Echo, uh, there's a story, the Snoke Cafe, a contender for the best pizza. Yeah, I, I, I'll butt in here, Jim, because uh, I have personal experience. <laughs> but that's, a, that's what we need. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I can only commend uh, the Snoke. Uh, I said, uh, my particular pizza of choice is uh, a chicken pesto. Uh, oh, very, very nice. But anyway, uh, the... Um, the Snog Cafe Wine Bar in Mount Shannon has been selected as, as one of the top ten finalists for Food Awards Ireland in the Best Pizza Establishment category. Parik McMahon has the article on page two of the Echo. And as we always talk about supporting local, go buy a pizza in the Snog. You won't regret it. Lovely. Is, is it on the main street in Mount Shannon? Lovely. It is, yep. On the oh. left-hand side opposite the Ashter. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Pat, I just can I go back to you again? The, there's a piece there on the East Clare page of the Clare Champion, an old photograph from Tulla, and just a little bit of history that Tulla people certainly might be interested in. Yeah, the new shop there, there's a lovely, lovely uh, article there. Um, on a recent trip to New York, Tulla native Sean Fitzgerald recalled a piece of Tulla's social history that was in danger of vanishing into the mist of time. The retired school principal from, from Doc James, who now lives in Derry County Offaly, was on a visit to his aunt, Eileen McNamara, when she recited a poem composed by the owners of the new shop in the middle of the last century. Now so familiar, the new shop operated, uh, operated on Main Street from the 40s to the 60s. Like some local shops that the area is served as a pub too, and you could then, you could then do your, your grocery shopping after a few pints, Sean said. The proprietors of the shop, who, who are forward-thinking, and modernised the shop to the point of having a cold room installed for meat storage. 
So it is a lovely, there's a lovely photograph there of it and a, a nice article so from Fiona McGarry and there's a, there's a lovely old photograph from the 40s. Right. Okay, we're rapidly running out of time. A photograph, uh, David, on the front page of the Clare Echo. Yeah, mutton to see here, Jim. Mutton to see here. <coughs> um, <coughs> it's a pun on the, on, on the word. There's two, there are two girls here, Clara Vaughan and Emily Quinn, both aged 10 from Clare Castle, feeding milk to lambs at the Clare Castle show and uh, enjoying it. I think the sheep are enjoying it too. But yeah. uh, And I think there might have been a dog or there's something there in the background anyway, looking on. But anyway, mutton to see here. Okay, lovely photo by James Tracy, our own James Tracy. That's here. right, photo. Uh, the photo capture. He he captures a photo very well. Captures a scene very well. Yeah, and there, there's a lot of uh, nice photos that we alluded to earlier from Fecal. We send the back page of the Champion, page 22. A lot of uh, photos mm. from the the show in Clare Castle as well. So. And look, I'm looking at page eight of the Clare Echo. Uh, John Lynch. Uh, somebody in that we interviewed here during the festival in Scarif a couple of weeks ago. Yes, uh, 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 did indeed, and uh, he he got an award at the national, uh, I suppose, flag hall in Heron, which uh, <coughs> as I said, the outstanding. He he got the Mike Flanagan Award for outstanding achievement in the banjo at Saint Paul's Church in in Mullingar, and as they uh, as uh, John is sort of the, the MC for the band and yes. sort of announces the things. Uh, he I, I was listening back to the to the audio, and he was sort of given the run and where they were going to be for the next while and he mentioned that they were doing a gig in Kilfenora or sorry in, at, at the FLA but he, he didn't allude to the fact he was getting an award himself so yes, okay. uh, a hearty congratulations to him and there are other pictures there as well Pat. yeah Pat has photographs there yeah right? there's lovely pictures there of 16 and, and page, page 16 and page 17 of the champion yeah. of the All Ireland winners uh, from Clare and there was a group from they're all from uh, from um, East and West Clare and uh, Kilrush and North Clare and all winners in the flair. So there's some great musicians in the in the county, and young musicians coming up. Next week is Heritage Week, and I know there is something in the 12 o'clock hills that oh, yeah, the you river. might give a mention to. Yeah, and this Saturday there's a walk in the 12 o'clock hills. It's not a, uh, the full full run up the hills, but it goes up to some of the heritage sites. So it starts at about 10 o'clock from the Bellwire Car Park. Lovely. So um, if anyone wants to come along, and they'll, they'll see, uh, they'll visit some of the heritage people that live, live down the hills. So it'll be a Perfect. 6 o'clock yeah. Okay, <laughs> we've, we've tried to cram in as much as we can to local media this week. Uh, this week, So our thanks uh, to Pat O'Brien, uh, to David Fleming, to Luke for standing in again for John S. And you yes. can't forget Fiona as well, of course. Uh, I'm very <laughs> sorry, yes, of course. Fiona McGarry of the Clare Champion who joined us on the phone uh, at the, for the first half of the programme. So we'll have uh, Olivia Newton-John, she, she passed away re- there in the last few days, uh, age 73, and she was a big star back in the 70s. And with her friend John Travolta, uh, Summer Nights from, from the, the film Grease. Lovely. The musical uh, Grease, yeah. Very, very suitable, very uh, sad week for, for followers of music. Okay, that's it for now. We'll see you next week, next Sunday. Uh, goodbye and God bless. Summer night